How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. It so bears to hold a news conference, celebrate the fact that, oh, we only lost 10 games. You know, we thought we would lose 12, whatever they were saying. As we look at the this whole season, you know, we're playing the long game on this. When they passed on a quarterback last year, I felt, well, that's okay, because maybe they'll have enough where they could trade up for Caleb Williams. David Haw. You have to do your due diligence, but you're unlikely to find something that would get in the way of drafting somebody who's one of the best prospects of the last decade at the position. You know, that just doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. And if you saw anything from C.J. Stroud, if you saw anything from Jordan Love, you understand the impact a first-year starting quarterback can have for a team that has a roster that's playoff ready. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. on 670 The Score. I want to tell you guys I love you guys. I listen to you guys every day when I drive into work. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Do I really want to be jealous of Atlanta that they're interviewing Jim Harbaugh? Is that, is that how I want to start my day, Mr. Davis? Morning, Molly. Yeah, it's Wednesday, and I, I suppose you could have some envy of the Atlanta Falcons who have gone to their social media accounts and bragged about interviewing Jim Harbaugh. Well, on Monday, they interviewed Bill Belichick, and on Tuesday, they interview the national championship head coach, Who's today? Who they got today? I don't know. Who's Ryan Pace interviewing today? Why do they have better? He's not. He just works there. He's not calling. I know, but I like. I, I like anything. to go with the bit. If we're going to be jealous of the Falcons, let's just oh. say that there's Ryan Pace asking Bill Belichick what he knows about defense. Oh my god! And asking Jim Harbaugh what does he know about offense and developing quarterbacks? Well, and then I, I'm just jealous that they're actually they might get better. I don't know. Well. They'd be different. I don't know that we're there yet, but I do understand why you'd look at Jim their offseason. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh, an upgrade from Arthur Smith and most head coaches. I wonder, frankly, to be serious, I think I wonder what Harbaugh's long game is. I wonder what he is doing did not link him to the Falcons. I don't know if that makes sense for him to leave Ann Arbor for Atlanta unless he's that desperate to get back in the league. The Chargers make sense. The Bears would have made sense. But I don't know about the Falcons. Yeah, I I um, I don't know either. 
I don't know that I'd want to coach that team leverage. necessarily. I think sure. probably leverage. You sure. know, if you if the Chargers are the only team that he would be talking to, and it looks like he would be the odds-on favorite to get that job, maybe he wants to make them, you know, sweat a little That's bit. Fair. That 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 gives me a reason. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. I feel better about it now. Thank you. Uh, I'm here for you, man. Yeah. I, I, I'm here for your plausible rationalizations. I'm looking forward to the weekend of the, the division around the playoffs. That's usually one of the better rounds of the playoffs. I'm curious to see the, the, um, the two new seeds jump in and you get a look at them. And uh, we've seen everybody thus far. And we know who's good and who's mediocre. Well, and I think seeing the two best the bye week teams again, probably a bad idea to give teams a week off, just because they're already good enough. That's why they're the number one seed. Yeah, I, I aid them. I wonder about that sometimes, though. I do wonder about the layoff and the effect when you are playing football. You build some momentum, and I understand the value of health and recovery, but I also think there's some value in a team like the Lions coming in hot, coming in hot. You know they're hosting a game, but their break would have probably hurt them. I, I look at it that way well, sometimes. Well, yeah, so, so it's, the, it's the ever-told argument of, of rust versus yeah. rest. I, I, and you think a team like that could get rusty. But I think a team like the Niners gets rest when they need it most. And they get healthy. And they help sure. they get even healthier. And we've seen them awful good when they're healthy. It's a valid argument especially when you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey that think, has missed a lot of time. Yeah, Baltimore might need to play as opposed to having time off. And they've had a lot of time. Everybody's got their preferences, and I think every team is going to have a different situation. My preference would be keep playing. I think, I think a teams that you saw win this past weekend are going to benefit from continuing. Yeah, and, and, and if you believe in momentum at all, and I think if you believe in the power of continuity or consistency or, or just taking what you did, the, you, you bel- the Bucks, for instance, look at the yep. Buccaneers. The belief that they have going into Detroit is going to be valuable because they did something that nobody really thought they were going to do except for them. They won in the first round. Yes. But they won at home. Against a team that needed a week off. Yeah, but you know what? They won at home against. Might have needed a month off. They they won at home against the defending NFC champion that started ten and one and thought they were going to find their way in the playoffs. I I know what you're saying, but I'm just. That's a team that desperately needed a week off. Probably so. Probably so. So every every situation is going to be different. When you look at this weekend, I think the teams like the Packers and the Lions and the Buccaneers, boy. They're probably thrilled that they, they can get back on the field soon enough. I, I, it was interesting talking to Mike Florio yesterday about the coaching changes that, that uh, are still possible. And we haven't heard anything yet on Mike McCarthy, and we haven't heard anybody yet talking about Nick Sirianni. And we know the coaches under pressure that, that still could be scrambling for their jobs. Um, and he added a fourth, who, of course, was um, Andy Reid. And I, I was driving home thinking to myself, like, wow, what if Andy Reid were to leave 
the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> and you know where I'm going. We got a texter t- that was wondering the same thing yesterday. And everybody in Chicago is amused, if not befuddled, by the likelihood or possibility mm. that Matt Nagy would succeed Andy Reid. It's got to be a possibility, but I can't be a likelihood. He, well, he, he struggled pretty you, hard. You don't know. And their offense got worse this year. But you year don't know what how he's valued in that organization. You know, everything is can be provincial. Who would be a favorite for that job? If Andy Reid retires next Monday after the Chiefs get surprised in the playoffs by the Bills, would which that is be conceivable. A okay, it's conceivable yeah. that the Bills could beat the Chiefs. I think the Bills are favored, right? In and the game. They are home. at home. And following Florio's logic, and Andy Reid decides to hang it up because he's had enough. What would you say? I would rather Eric Bieniemy than Matt Nagy. I would rather promote Spags than than hire uh, the offensive coordinator well, as a head coach. Spagnolo, He's been terrible. Spagnolo would be uh, a possibility as well. He's been there a long time. Dave Tobe would be a candidate there as well. You know, they got three candidates on staff. I'm just saying that Matt Nagy would get a lot of support probably internally just because even though they've struggled offensively, he is valued in the organization. They took him back. They took him back without much of a, a question. Did they take him back or did Andy? Right? I mean, that that kind of, I don't know. I'm not being mean to Matt Nagy. I just can't see him as a head coach again after a mediocre run as an offensive coordinator and with a couple guys there that would be better options than him. Spag's been a head coach before. We know Dave Tobe. We know how good he is, how organized he is. Is that, you know, is is it that big a jump? I know where you're coming from because, right. you know, he earned the, the skepticism in Chicago because of the way he left. But I think if you look at it and you take a step back and you don't have the kind of impression of Matt Nagy that we were left with, you look at his head coaching record, he, he was here four seasons and he got to the playoffs twice. And, and, and we always said that had he gone in reverse order, yeah, he might have kept his job. What he did was he built up expectations up here in the first season and, then and failed failed to meet them again. Exactly. So he had to go. But it, I, got, it got dumb. It got a lot of weird plays and weird double speak and a failure. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to defend his, his tenure. Yeah. I certainly. But I. But I, I would understand why he would get a look at Kansas City under the scenario you broached because they they value something about his presence or else he wouldn't be there. Maybe it is just Andy Reid, but but I don't know. That organization, they tend to uh, – you know, enemy also is just coming off of – he got fired. Yes, he did. I don't know that Andy Reid's going to be leaving anyway. anyway. He, he kind of brushed that off earlier this season before the playoffs began. I, you know, he's, got, he's got a lot of reasons to return. I, I don't know. Yeah, he's – one is named I, Patrick Mahomes. I hope he recovered though. That that frozen mustache looks serious. That thing. I mean, <laughs> there was there was the danger of having to trim it. We we missed a golden opportunity yesterday. Actually, I thought I would kick myself after he was off. We didn't ask Dave Dave Wanstead, the master of the mustache, if he had ever had a frozen mustache. Yeah, a situation that hair ring because it looked like it was Andy's problematic. Look, I mean, I'm I'm. I shouldn't say this because people are just getting up and many people haven't had their coffee yet. But that thing, I couldn't tell if there was snooter all over that thing or if that was water somehow. I mean, how did that thing? You mean water versus snot? I'm saying the there, were giant, sure. there were giant 
icicles. I don't know. In that thing, they were, there was a fear that one of them was going to come off the mustache. A little perspiration, maybe, and maybe put a hole in his. A little foot. water, a little that, mucus. That, those icicles. I know. There's so, a phlegm factor. There's a there's a fact that might cut you down. It could. It could. And you know it, why? Why so droopy, Andy? Well, I'm being weighed down. <laughs> Eyes up. Uh, I mean, that'd be really hard to walk around that way. Oh, we so should bad. ask Dave. So Ever have a day like that, Dave? Yeah. Oh, well, he's been in those. He's had those moments. He's been in the cold. So a lot going on with the coaching carousel. It's curious yeah. to see where it spins next. I'm very, very uh, interested in what the Seahawks do. Yes. Because of the mention of Mike Vrabel up there. Looking forward to talking to Ross Tucker at 9 o'clock. Maybe he has some insight because he has been around these playoffs. He talks to a lot of people. Fact of the matter is, as we said yesterday. Did I hear him on two games this week? He did. He did a, wow. a game, I think, Saturday, and then he was on the sidelines for Sunday. He's, and like, the, he's like the Mike Tirico of radio. He's everywhere. I don't know about that. Did you hear, did you hear as I did, that uh, Tirico – Apparently was the guy that wanted no more um, Al Michaels. He wanted was that his, a headline somewhere? New yeah, York Post. No, it was just told to me by someone who knows the operation that he was the guy that didn't want. He wanted his voice to be the recognizable one for NBC Sports. That's why Al Michaels sat at home last weekend. That's why Al was not invited back to hmm. NBC after the Amazon season ended. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, if that's true, it's yeah. very important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to big if true rumors, but <laughs> you just did. No, I said I was told. Molly says Tarico nudged Michaels from the booth. No, it wasn't a nudging. It was pretty much a, a banning. Uh, yes. Okay. Molly says Tarico banned Michaels from Molly the booth. Molly never said. That. I said someone oh, told okay. me that. Who's in the business? Molly advances rumor people. on Al Michaels. I did. I did. <laughs> I feel bad for Al Michaels if that's true. I feel bad and for I Al like Michaels. And I like hearing from Al Michaels, and I had one game too many from Tarico this week. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I'm a big Al Michaels guy. I believe in miracles. I, I like him providing his you – know, just giving his him insight, presence. His voice, the way he yes. carries himself. I agree. There, there's a certain gravitas that he brings into every broadcast and into the booth. So, yeah, I kind of missed him this weekend. We have a texter says he believes that the mustache icicle fell while he was having a word with Mahomes, and that broke Mahomes' That helmet. broke his helmet. <laughs> that, was, that was something else to see that, that helmet. That was unbelievable. Crack. Now, it reminded me, okay, obviously it was because of the cold and because of the hit yes. and because it was frozen, right? I guess. I suppose. But back in the day, you know, everyone – Everyone who played high school football can relate to this a little bit. You love to finish games. And these are back in the day when you could use your helmet, not as a weapon, but certainly use it a lot more than they do these days. We didn't know any better. And you would look at your helmet after the game. Tell me if this sounds crazy or not. And you would look for, like, war paint. You would look for, like, oh, yeah. on the helmet. Yes. What, do you have the, what if, the colors? Like, if you, my, we had gold helmets yes. in high school. So, and if we played a team with red, you, like, you, wanted, you wanted some red, red marks your, on your, your gold helmet. Yes. And didn't, uh, didn't Mike Singletary famously break, like, six helmets one year? Ma face masks, yes. Helmets, yeah. Yeah. chin straps. I'm talking about in college at Baylor. At Baylor. I think he, Baylor Bears. I think he broke yeah. a lot of helmets. I think he did. Yeah. He could hit you. Breaking a helmet is, was 
easier back in those days than it is today. Right. Today it's like a, a recording studio inside. Like, right. And right. They have all sorts of Wi-Fi and. Wouldn't that be great if it was like a, like an elevator music playing while the guy's standing there? How does he keep his composure? In some cases, it would be more intelligent conversation and better for the game plan if they were listening to elevator music rather than third and one, let's go into the shotgun. I'd rather, I'd prefer the elevator music, please. But, the, you know. You could break helmets easier back then. You right. The helmet was more of a and you could replace a armor. broken helmet easier. Yeah, it was just a piece of equipment, as you say. It wasn't a recording studio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when when Patrick Mahomes broke his helmet the other day, it was a thing because his backup helmet was frozen. Yeah, didn't work. They kinda, took some of the padding from the old helmet and put it in the new helmet. Did you see all yeah, that? It was ridiculous. It's, it's a production. All right. You need a work permit to to fix the helmet. Because you start digging in. Yeah. Now they'll have a. They've learned they'll have a spare helmet on the. On the I always need a spare bench. helmet. Yeah. You got to watch spare helmets. I don't want to. You got to have it warm though. They'll yeah, have what? some poor equipment guy forced to wear it. Poor equipment guy. Yeah. Guy to work hard. No shadow of a doubt. Dustin, do you remember a Singletary breaking helmets in college? Wasn't that part of the lore? Nineteen. Nineteen helmets that were Holy broken. Turn your mic on there. 19. New to radio. I told 19. you in your ear. <laughs> oh. In my ear. Always yeah. whisper in he, my ear. He always prefers for us to say. You know, I, I'm just going to revisit this real quickly. I won't go into the details, but breaking my helmet okay. in high school was and, how yeah. I ended up with false teeth today. Oh, your helmet broke? Yes. I broke your my helmet. Broke? I broke my helmet and I went to the sidelines to get a new helmet because my face mask or something had broken. Took my helmet off to get it broken and the assistant coach tossed me a new helmet to get back in the game called my name and boom you got your teeth broken teeth was got there knocked a, out. was there a different um face mask on the second helmet there was a different face well same type of face mask i had to take my mouthpiece off my other helmet certainly after i got my teeth knocked out so you had no face you had no uh, mouthpiece in while you broke your mouth did not because wow. i had my helmet off i was on the sidelines and Given my helmet to the uh, equipment guy, the assistant coach was tossing me another helmet in the air. Boom! Slow motion hits me square in the mouth, knocks my front teeth out, and I got my helmet though. Got a new so, helmet. So you weren't hit. You hit got hit by the helmet. I got hit by the helmet. Wow. Yeah. Oh, well, that's an unfortunate way to need dentistry. <laughs> Definitely was. Yeah. Yeah. What did the coach say? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. David. What did your mom say? Yeah. Not happy. Yeah. Not happy. More about your teeth, right, than anything else. Oh, yeah. Definitely picked up the teeth, saved them for later, uh, put some gum in my mouthpiece, and went back at it. Do you still have the the teeth? I don't think I have the teeth. You never did anything? No, I never did. Tooth fairy didn't come? Oh, God, no. Oh, my God. We needed the tooth fairy, though, after all that dental work. The tooth fairy had to help pay the dentist. Every week. Yeah, you had to go in for treatment every week. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. And anyway, we digress. Knew the dentist well. I did know the dentist there. well. I dated his daughter. So there you go. <laughs> always helps. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for remembering that story. I remember yeah. all of it. Yeah. All too well, to quote Taylor Swift. All too well. Now you're t- quoting Swifty. Yeah. You are quoting Taylor Swift. You At really did watch that movie. I I didn't watch the movie. It was just running in my house. You consumed it. It was on an endless loop over it was the weekend. Like, it was a. I think it was twenty dollars to rent. Mm-hmm. So it was never turned off. 
and it was just on all the time. There's some people that think that she is on all the time because every time they turn around, oh yeah, and if, if if you're Tony Dungy, that really bothers you. I came away feeling better about her than I did going in. That's like, good. I I I wouldn't call myself a Swifty, although the reality is after my weekend of listening to it because it was on twenty four seven, I actually. Uh, in the quiet of my room, as I had like a little moment to read for an hour, I played a couple of songs. Did you really? I swear to God. Do you have a favorite Taylor Swift song now? I think I think after being in front of the television all weekend, I think I had never heard that all too well before. Oh, that's very good. The ten minute version is excellent. The ten minute yeah. version is unbelievable. Yeah. And Big I, difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL. On the Golden Globes. We have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. I swear. There's just more to go to. Here. Sorry about that. She did not like that. Oh, she was very straight. I don't blame her. You know, she catches a lot of grief. A lot of grief. And the reality is that when you watch her perform, she's got this Bruce Springsteen going where she just performs for like three hours plus. Tremendous stamina. Unbelievable. She's in shape. Her stamina is extraordinary. Yeah, and I think that I'm she, exhausted watching she, someone walk around like that. She's a great performer. She's a terrific songwriter. And well, she she's got as many songs as Bob Dylan. So if you take Bob Dylan and and you take uh, Bruce Springsteen, that equals Taylor Swift. Careful, we're we're approaching the limit which Tony Dungy will allow us to talk about Taylor Swift. I I've, I'm very curious to see if she goes to Buffalo, because <laughs> that is going to be a brutal game. Don't you think so? And she is. She's gone to other I, places and venues, and she has the coat. She's prepared for the weather. I have a close personal friend who reads a lot of People magazine who believes that that those two crazy kids have a shot. And I thought the whole thing was kind of a joke. I did too at first. And now, now I'm kind of. I thought it was a business it. relationship at first to benefit, so he could benefit from the uh, notoriety, perhaps, right. enjoying the publicity, and she would definitely. Had a business uh, advantage or benefit from being associated with the NFL, but now it looks like, hey, who knows? She's got That's a lot crazy of charisma kids. as a performer, and I think she's it's a good word. That's she's right. A word. Lot, she's a lot better as a songwriter. So that that is that's a lot of talent. Uh, she can play the piano and the and the guitar. I mean, I'm just saying. I just love this. I can't do any of that. I just stuff. love this. I would be mocked in August when I would mention Taylor Swift and I would do the Swifty and tell you about yes. my concert that I attended when oh, she listen. was in Soldier Field. And now yeah. you are bringing up the Eras Tour movie because well, it was I, I so mean, good. I spent the weekend watching it, David. Not one, you know, if you pay twenty dollars for a movie, that thing's on twenty four seven. I know. I and the you. thing about that movie is there's no behind the scenes stuff. It's literally her. Walking out on the stage, doing an entire concert uh, at SoFi Stadium, and uh, it's it's pretty extraordinary. That's all. She there's no behind the scenes. There's no interviews. There's nothing that would kill time. It is just her performing the entire time. It, it was again. I I can't believe um, Swifty and Hall mornings on the score. I can't believe that I I liked it as much as I did, and I don't really. I don't know her songbook. I know yeah. the popular songs, but when you listen to it, it's really well done. Like twice, she's good. Really I mean, good. Really accomplished. Good. I was a big fan of hers when she was uh, a country music artist. That was when she was like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, she's right? like sixteen, I think. Teardrops of My Guitar. That was the first big hit. 
Uh, there was a song, Tim McGraw, another one. That's a song about Tim McGraw, yeah. not with Tim McGraw. I think she played that one. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a classic. It's pretty wild. It's a classic. I love this. I, I mean, I know you do, <laughs> I'm, but I'm not. like. I was talking to a friend of mine about it yesterday, and he said, my God, like they should have you do a review of it. You liked it that much. And I'm like, listen, I didn't know anything about her. I, I know the songs that are popular. My kids listen to this stuff, but I'm not like into it or anything. But after like, and again, she does like 17 songs or so. It's insane. She's been at it for 17 years. Half of her life has Half been lived in the life. public She's spotlight. 34. It's, a, it's with, unbelievable. With the kind of scrutiny that comes with yes. celebrity. And but isn't always fair. It's not fair. And I think that she is, I really feel bad for her because I think she was bullied in high school. And so just hearing them, my wife and daughters, have told me stories about her background, which I had no idea about. You feel bad for and you know what state she's from? Time. She's a country. She was a country she's music from artist she's in Pennsylvania. She's, yeah, yeah, I know a lot about All it. Right, now. It's good. I didn't try to. <laughs> Can't wait till you start making the the Swifty little heart signs with your hands, and that's uh that's cool. I'm uh, glad. Welcome aboard. Yeah, plenty of room. And I'm I'm slightly embarrassed that I enjoyed it that much, but again, I I mean, here's something you'll never hear me say: it was worth twenty bucks. <laughs> I don't like spending. I don't like buying movies at home. There's enough content to to fill our brains forever. We don't need to actually buy anything. And there were a lot of sports on this weekend. And I watched them all. Yeah. But during the times that they weren't on, there was uh, a lot of that thing playing. Okay? <laughs> you have to apologize. The tone does not need to be apologetic. It should just be like, hey. I'm slightly embarrassed this, this that I enjoyed it, to be honest That's with good. you. Yeah, that was good. It was really good. <laughs> does, and, I'm, and now I'm curious to know if she's going to the game. Peoria Matt, does flag and anthem make a Chiefs coat? <laughs> Matt's well played. Oh, God. All right. We've got the pick six. We're going to talk about the top sports stories. We're limiting our, our pop music or music conversation. We're going to talk sports. We'll pick apart all the stories of the day. It's Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on. We talk about basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happens. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. Does the list of reported offensive coordinator candidates the Bears have interviewed tell you anything about what Matt Eberflus is looking for? What should he be looking for if you have to describe the offensive identity of the Bears you want in 2024? Um, I think that they've told us what they're looking for, and they're looking for someone who can, who can adjust and call a different scheme, a different offense based on the opponent they're playing. They're looking for someone that can run the ball one day and throw the ball the next. They're not looking for one specific thing. They're looking for someone who can adjust to whatever they're facing. I think for Matt Eberflus, and I don't know if any of these guys fit what he wants, but if you've listened to him over the last couple of years – He's talked about complementary football. He wants an offense that can hold the ball and can take pressure off his defense and can run the ball and eat the clock and can also have some explosive plays so they score points. His idea of offense as a defensive guy is different than the modern NFL offense, I believe. And so I think to answer this question, you have to ask a question, which is, is this about Matt Eberflus or is this about someone else picking the offensive coordinator? I'm not sure he's the guy who's coming up with these names, frankly. And I'm not sure if you're going through some guys that Sean McVay sneezed on, some guys that have the Shanahan uh, offense touching them. Is that exactly what he wants as a head coach? I think he's the defensive coordinator head coach. He's the guy who wants someone to come in and run an offense that does the things he feels help teams win. I don't know that he's the guy that's calling the shots on this one. And it, the frankly, the varying factors of these candidates make me really wonder about that. But I imagine among the questions, you're, you're asking guys, hey, all right, maybe we keep Justin. How do you run a team? What do you do with him? Okay, we're probably going to take Caleb Williams – How do you run an offense for his skill set? You want someone that can give you ideas of how things should be done. I don't know that Matt Eberflus, the guy calling the shots. Well, it's very interesting. Um, The different reports. I think there's not a clear-cut pattern here either. What I want, I want somebody who's actually called plays. Not somebody that's been in a meeting or been around a guy that calls plays. I want a guy who calls plays. And at this point, I also think it'd be beneficial because they're they're not moving off of Matt Eberflus. So I think a guy coming from another team that had a defensive-minded head coach, so that person has a strong presence in the room as the leader of the offense, I think that could also be valuable. But very good point, Mully. I think... They have to be adaptable because I don't know that that person is going to leave the interview and have a clear 
view of what the Bears are doing to QB1. You know, I think that I thought about this and talked to a couple people, and, and, and I think that what we're looking at here is Matt Eberflus trying to do a better job of what he w- set out to do when he took the job. And he wants an upgrade over Luke Getze, but I don't know that he is straying too far from that 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 framework or that that idea, that foundation in terms of a play caller. When you look at the guys on the list so far, three of the five have Shanahan uh, and and Sean McVay kind of tendencies, and they come from that tree, if you will. Shane Waldron, Liam Cohen, and Clint Kubiak are guys that have sort of the residue of that kind of uh, approach or that from those, those experiences. And I think when you look at, it's fair to question who's coming up with this list, but I do think it's somewhat consistent. I'm not sure that Luke Getze uh, did anything except for not tailor his game plans around the skill that he has in Justin Fields, so he had to go. But I don't know that Matt Eberflus has changed what he's looking for. He used the term multiplicity last week when asked about what he's looking for in a play caller, and I think that's what he's looking for now. But he's not straying too far from the original plan. Now, the inclusion of Greg Roman and Greg Olson, I think, are experienced. And now, if they do find something about Caleb Williams that makes him undraftable or they want to stay away from and they lean in and embrace Justin Fields again, maybe that is uh, that is going to be good for Greg Roman's candidacy. I, I don't know if that's the case, but I do suspect it. And also, Greg Roman and Greg Olson are guys who've been around the league long enough to adapt to what, whoever the quarterback is. Matt Eberflus is looking for multiplicity. They're looking for somebody off the Shanahan tree. And you go back to that 2013 Washington staff where uh, LaFleur and Shanahan and McVay were all part of that. And I think that's where you start to find guys who learn from that and guys who call plays according to that premise. Pick six. If the Bears indeed take Caleb Williams as the number one pick of the 2024 NFL draft, as many around the league expect them to based on various stories circulating. Does that like make them more likely to draft a wide receiver at nine to pair with the rookie QB? Or what would be the thought process for Ryan Poles after taking Williams, which would be instantly changing the Bears offense? I think that you expect them to, or the speculation to be centered around, you got to get a wide receiver for your rookie quarterback. You got to get the Jamar Chase to the Joe Burrow. You want to get that combination, even if they do have DJ Moore. You want to get the kid from Washington or the kid from LSU or whoever is the second or third receiver taken after Marvin Harrison Jr. Because if you're not going to get Maserati Marv, if you're going to take Caleb Williams at number one, you want to have a component to your passing game. And I think that makes sense. And that will get a lot of conversation. But I don't know that you want to be married to that idea necessarily. I do think that if you get Caleb Williams... You're announcing your intention to build around a franchise quarterback, maybe even compete next year for a playoff spot the way the Texans did this year. And I think you have to stay stay true to your draft plan at nine. Best player available. Best player available. If it's an edge rusher, if it's a left tackle, I don't think you need to reach for a wide receiver if you have an offensive tackle that is graded higher or an edge rusher that will help you more or just as much. So I don't know that they're connected as much as some people will want to marry the two picks. I don't think if you draft a quarterback, you have to get a wide receiver. It certainly would be convenient and exciting, but I don't think it's a mandate.
Well, I'm going to disagree. Not shocking. And what about the number eight pick? What are we doing with that after that goes to the Bears when they trade Justin Fields? We forgot about that in this question. Come on. Well, after you sober up, you'll realize that they won't have the number eight pick. No. Okay. Uh, David, something you and I talked about. They're interviewing coaches that wouldn't allow David, something you and I talked about off the air, maybe we'll care to talk about it later, but we talked about it in the first segment. You guys mentioned that the Falcons announcing that Jim Harbaugh has indeed interviewed. How about a Harbaugh-Fields pairing in Atlanta and Bears fans can sit around and think, oh, what might have been? Anyway, nice. if, if the Bears take Caleb Williams, number one, which at this moment, 6-0-9, I am not in favor of, they must take the best offensive tackle available that that that, those need to go hand in hand because if you're on the oh my gosh what could have been with cj stroud if you if you were lucky enough to have your dvr working and you weren't with a certain cable provider over the weekend um cj stroud part of it is plays behind a really good offensive line yeah um I got to tell you, I think that the Bears need a lot of upgrades, and we all know what they are. I would say wide receiver is one. I would say left tackle is one. I would say pass rusher is another one. Interior uh, guy, right? I'm talking about getting that three technique they've talked about. I'd rather get an edge rusher because I think maybe they've got a guy that can play inside. I don't know. He needs to get better. Uh, they got two defensive tackles they took in the early rounds of last year's draft. It'd be good to see one of those guys. And there isn't the obvious defensive end or pass rusher. There, there's guys you can take there. No question about that. If you're talking about where to go with the ninth pick, you can take a guy there. And, and as far as uh, the best player available, it's amazing how that often fits need. So I think one of those three players now philosophically – because you gave up your second-round pick for Montez Sweat, because you've used, uh, you've gotten some defensive players um, with high picks in your first couple of years. Do you need to get whoever your Montez Sweat would be for your offense, whether it's Roma Duze or the kid from LSU, if it's a receiver or if there's a lineman that is available there? I I think. It's a good idea. I like your idea of getting a tackle for the quarterback or a weapon for the quarterback. But I think if you are investing and you only have the two top ten picks, you don't get the third one. I'm not sure you want to trade down. I think there are a lot of good players that are going to be in the top ten of the draft. It's just a question of which position you believe helps the quarterback most. Value position. Yeah. Those things being said, I'll pause and open it up for questions. How do you feel about the Steelers head coach, Mike Tomlin, who we heard uh, there telling players he will be back for an 18th NFL season? How about Pete Carroll being run off? Bill Belichick mutually departing from the Patriots and now making Tomlin the longest tenured coach with his team. One year ahead of John Harbaugh, not Jim, John Harbaugh out in Baltimore with the Ravens and six years more than Andy Reid. That, that, that's wow. That's wild. That's wild in yeah. Kansas City. I, yeah, I think, that, I think it's a good question for that reason. Mike Tomlin has been there a long time, and he's been in the playoffs every year for a long time. I'll be curious to see who their quarterback is moving forward. 
and how they address that position, if they address that position in the offseason. They obviously got a lot of guys that are there. I love the idea of Tomlin coming back. I will be curious to know if they want to give him an extension and keep him more. He's been there a long time, and he's still a relatively young man. So his tenure in Pittsburgh has been phenomenal. That's a really good organization, in part because they have backed their coaches at every turn. Over personnel guys, over anything else, they have backed coaches. And that's an interesting thing to think about. He's there that much more than Andy Reid? Doesn't that seem crazy? Now, Andy was in Philadelphia for a long time. And as I said, there are a lot of people around the league that have been at their job for a while. But the idea that it is Tomlin the most, and it then it followed by John Harbaugh, and then Andy Reid, what do they all have in common? They're all in the playoffs on a yearly basis, right? And when you look at how you keep your job, success is a great measuring stick for that. So, you know, Tomlin's won a Super Bowl. Harbaugh's won a Super Bowl against his brother. Uh, Obviously, Andy has won the Super Bowl. So I think all that stuff tells you they've had great success and they've won. Well, it's interesting that this question was submitted because I thought about this a great deal Monday night while I was watching the um, second game of the doubleheader on Super Wildcard Weekend on Monday. The Steelers have now lost five straight postseason games. And when that happens, I understand a fan base that says, okay, we've gotten here five years in a row and have failed to win a game. Something's got to give, right? Because that means that the general manager is building a roster. The organization is set up to play in the postseason. But now Tomlin's voice, I mean, it took all that time to get rid of his offensive coordinator. Nothing really changed. I think one game it changed, but their offense didn't get much better without Matt Canada, blame Canada. But if the Bears got in a spot where they made the postseason five years in a row but lost the first game, we would want, I'd raise my hand. I'd want that guy gone. At some point, it's got to be about winning a playoff game, not just getting to a playoff game. So I think Mike Tomlin changing locations might be good for everybody. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think you might feel differently if that guy had helped you win a Super Bowl. And if he hadn't, then I think the equation would be different. I love the Steelers. I mean, I have a ton of respect for the Steelers. We're not in Pittsburgh. I understand that. We're in Chicago where we're, you know, kind of you deal with the Bears. You're fated to that each and every season. And so you're, that's a huge contrast, a stark contrast to the way the Steelers do business. They've had three coaches since 1969. Incredible. It's extraordinary. Yeah. And it's because they do things the right way, because they value certain qualities in leadership, and they understand the, the value of consistency and a consistent approach. And Mike Tomlin represents that. It, are you tired of winning? Are you tired of winning if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers? If you are, then you should launch him. But they're not. So he's back. And I think that's good for the NFL. It's great for the Steelers. And it's unfortunate for a team like the Bears. That I, Although I say that and it's even like ridiculous to even voice because there's not a chance that the Bears would pivot 
even if Mike Tomlin were available, we can fantasize about that because he would change your franchise and he would provide the kind of leadership that a lot of teams lack. So I think that if you're tired of Mike Tomlin, you're tired of winning. And I don't know who's tired of winning. Again, I, I don't, won't tell you I completely know the answer to that question. That is the voice of Craig Council, a voice we're all going to get uh, super familiar with over the next couple of uh, weeks, months, and potentially years. What would you think of Craig saying this at the Cubs convention, according to Tribune columnist Paul Sullivan? Quote, you don't know, you don't think I can do it? Watch. End quote. How badly do the Cubs need that edge? How will that approach most affect the Cubs? I think it's an interesting approach. Craig Council is that guy, the overachiever, the guy everybody maybe doubted, looked at, and said, wow, he's, he's a World Series champion twice? He's the guy that you uh, find maybe easiest to question, smallish in stature, but boy, did he have a good major league career as a player, and he has been a terrific manager, and he does bring an edge from Milwaukee. I think that Craig Council will change the Cubs more than the Cubs will trade, change Craig Council. And that will give them, not that it, it was lacking with David Ross, but I think that you know you hear stories, and over the weekend at the Cubs convention, you did hear stories about Craig Council in the Cub offices, sitting at a, a computer and doing the work alongside front office personnel and doing the things that you know aren't always typical or expected of managers. And I think he's going to be a thinking man's manager, but I also think that he's not going to lose that grit that defines him and defined him as a player. I love it that they're going to be edgy. I love it that they're going to feel like they've got a chip on their shoulders all the time. And I love everything that Craig Collins is going to bring to the dugout. Not that necessarily David Ross didn't, but there is a new manager in town. There's a reason he's getting $40 million over the life of his contract. And I think that edge and that personality is something that Cub fans will embrace. Does edgy work in baseball? I think edgy and chip on your shoulder works in like almost every other sport more than baseball. If I was ranking, which sport do you need to have a chip on your shoulder when you take the field of play of your sport? Baseball would be the last one. Now, I think you want to approach every day by saying we're here to win. We're not taking any days off. Every single game counts for those out there. Eh, it's only April 15th. The Cubs are 2-8. and eight. Eh. Well, guess what? In September, you'd like to have those six games back, or maybe four of the eight that you lost in April. So that part of it, I like. It, it, I, I like him saying, just watch what we do. I don't know that the edge part is necessary. How? Yeah, I, I think the edge part is necessary in any competition. I think you've got to be out there to win, trying to win. I think people that, as you just said, give away games because it's early in the season, they're going to regret that at some point. I think this guy is locked in and focused, and he's competing in every game I've seen him manage. And I think that's what you can expect from him here. Um, I'm very curious to discover how this works. Works, And we'll get to the, the next question next. I think it's kind of related, frankly. But I, I believe that, that he's looking for any edge every time he's out there. And you, you may find that incredibly annoying if you're playing the guy, but I think it's an important quality to have in any leader of any team in any sport. 
I think is really an important thing to have. Um, I like that he said that. You know, he's always going to be trying to prove something. He's got an underdog mentality is what he's telling you. And that's great for a team. It's great to have a guy that is filling in the blanks all over the place. Terrific question. Need to get that answered. Don't have it for you today. Our guy, Bruce Levine, who will be with Mullion Haw 825, reports that the Cubs are interested in trading for the Guardians closer, Emmanuel Classy, who led the majors and saves the past two seasons. How big of a priority is closer for the Cubs? And what does this suggest about their confidence in Adbert Alzale? I'm not sure this has anything to do with uh, Adbert Alzale. I think this has to do with what happened last year, which is they didn't have a closer. They fell apart at the end of the year. They couldn't finish games. They went through a stretch at the end of the season where they got knocked out of the playoffs because they were incapable of closing and finishing games. So you go out and you get somebody that comes in for that role and you use them in that way, it's a really good idea. And I think you could keep Albert Alzale and all these guys because anybody that you use that showed something, you put them in a different position and you're going to get what you wanted out of them, and now you're going to have a guy that can come in and finish if you do this. I think it's a great idea. I also think you need people for cover in case something does go awry. And the, and the you know, if anything, they ran out of guys and options at the end of last year. I think we all saw it unfold. So that that just means get stronger at every different spot just by bringing in someone at the top Everyone lowers to a, a less difficult role, and they become even better. This guy's known for handling his pitching and known for being able to close games. So that's a great thing to do. I think what it says about Adbert Alzale is that we need all the best arms we can in the bullpen. The, the, the bullpen is an Achilles heel of this team. So adding a guy like this, this just moves Adbert down a little bit. And that's okay. I'm not that 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 doesn't mean that they don't like him, but Might they're make him hoping better. right. They're hoping to be a different team this year. They're hoping to play in October, past October first, in case we gotta get technical if the season goes a little bit into October, the last regular season game or something like that. So hey, the Cubs have a farm system where this is the type of move they can go out and execute. You also look at it as Craig Council understands that the traditional way of looking at closers is kind of dated. I, I'm not sure that he looked at it that way in Milwaukee. You know, the, the closer could be called on, or your high leverage reliever is maybe yes. the best way to put it. Could be used in the sixth inning, right. the fifth inning. And the more guys you have that you trust in situations like that, the better. Look at Milwaukee as as an example. When they had Josh Hader, they were developing Devin Williams. And he was he became as reliable as Hader they traded Hater when they were winning. And right. so they did that for contractual reasons. But I think the, the point is that you can never have enough guys like that in your bullpen who you need two outs, three outs. I mean, you need a high leverage out in a situation in a game that you think that is the moment. Joe Madden used to say it, and the, the great managers look at it this way, and baseball kind of evolved. Your, your high leverage situation might not just be the ninth inning. It could be in the middle of the fifth. So the Cubs would be preparing themselves if they get Class A, if they keep Alzali, if they do those things, 
you can never have enough guys who are capable of closing games and coming in and getting the tough out when needed. So this is a good development. I hope they can pull it off. These are concerns and questions that, that people are, are asking. The Blackhawks signed forward Jason Dickinson to a two-year contract extension a week after signing Nick Felingio to his own extension. What's behind the Hawks locking up two veterans who could have possibly been flipped for prospects at the trade deadline? What's the GM Kyle Davidson up to? Well, shout out to the Hawks for winning a shootout in nine rounds last night. And Can you believe? Boris Kachuk, how about that? Wow. Nine times. Nine times. Crazy. Wow, two to one over the Sharks. And an exciting night at the United Center without Connor Bedard, again, who's getting back on the ice slowly but surely. But this, this is, a, I think, a nod toward leadership, and I think it's an interesting uh, way to go for Kyle Davidson. He knows that he needs some veterans to show the young Hawks the way. Jason Dixon's having a ter- terrific year, terrific yeah. year. And I think that when you look at Nick Felino, he is here for a reason as well, that leadership. They're also talking Peter Morazic. There's a report from Kevin Weeks that they're talking contract extension with the Hawks goalie. So they're valuing leadership and experience. They need that example in that locker room, in that dressing room. And so Kyle Davidson is holding on to some of those assets because I think that they have the prospects in the system. Those guys are having terrific years developing. So when they put it all together next year, as early as next year, maybe they can be competitive again. I, I don't I, – I think you want to have some veteran guys around Connor Bedard. And maybe Connor Bedard is also behind the scenes. These are guys that Connor Bedard has told the Blackhawks that he likes to skate with, that he likes on the team. Um, they kind of swung and miss on a couple of other guys, right, David? They brought in some, lead, you know, quote-unquote leaders that ended up falling off the rail, if you will. So I, I'm going to trust – I'm going to trust Kyle Davidson. No problem with any of this at all. Yeah, I think Dickinson's been really good and a surprise player for them. And I liked hearing him say that he thinks they're going to be good moving forward and he wants to be a part of it. Um, You know, Felino will fight. I mean, you need somebody that's going to fight people, protect your guys, you know, do what veterans are supposed to do. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, listen, the Hawks are pretty awful right now. And, you know, they beat a team that is just god-awful. I mean, what, what, have the, what have they lost, 15 of 16, something like that? It's just, I mean, that's not good, man. Uh, when you got Brandon Fryer betting against you every night, you know you're in trouble, right? Because he's Mr. Hockey. Um, but I, I do think that, um, that they were probably hoping to flip more guys at the deadline. But you're right. They got a lot of young players. They're going to be better. Next year, they'll be better the year after that as these guys are graduating into the NHL. It's going to be good to watch. Should be. But I miss Connor Bedard as much as anything. Yeah, he's got another five weeks or so. So I, I think we're going yeah, to Yeah, I think they should start, instead of even showing games, just start showing him skating by himself. That'd be a good little pregame stuff. activity, wouldn't it? You should the, always have. Keep the fans coming. You know, the, hey, here's, here's the morning skate of Connor Bedard. Because anecdotally, last night, the crowd was. A little bit quiet. Bedard vision. There we go. Now now we're talking. It's worth watching. All right. We've got the extra point next. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score.
Now that the January 15th has uh, come and gone, freeing up every NBA team to trade whoever they want, regardless of when they sign the player, how confident are you that the Bulls will deal Zach Levine? How about DeMar DeRozan? And did you see the report about the Warriors wanting an offensive-minded big man? Vooch? Anyone? Will the Bulls try to unload, or they will they try to compete for a playoff spot? I think they're going to probably find that there's not a trade market as we have found for Zach Levine. And if they create one by being willing to pay a lot of the contract, I don't know that they're that desperate yet. I, I think they probably will look at it as, well, they can demand a trade. They can want a trade. They could try to force a trade if you're rich Paul, but they might not be able to make a deal because they don't have anybody willing to make a deal. It takes two and they can't find one. They can't find another. So they may be, if you want to look at it, stuck, but they're going to be stuck trying to squeak into the playoffs, kind of battle for relevance and try to make uh, something out of this season. They have had moments. They had moments when Zach was out. They had a few moments when he came back. They are up and they're down. They're inconsistent. I don't see Vooch being moved. I don't know that that uh, is something they're motivated to do, even though that report about the Warriors was interesting just because it coincided with them coming to town. DeMar DeRozan, he was asked about it. He's been through this before. I suppose if they move him, that would be a a, a huge sign. But what direction are they headed? What are the Bulls doing if they trade DeRozan? Do we know? Do Do they know? I'm not sure that they know. This season is kind of figuring things out as they go. And, and maybe the plan will change depending on how well they play. So I don't think they're probably going to have the tr- the, the, the trade flurry that may, we might have expected. I think they're probably going to be in that 6 to 7 to 8 to 9 to 10 range in the Eastern Conference and a big pile of mediocrity with the rest of the teams in the conference. David, I think you nailed it right there. Big pile of mediocrity. I mean, that's, that's what's going on. I, if you trade one, then you may as well trade them all. Otherwise, you know, try to be, we're number eight, and then get swept in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs, potentially. I mean, does the camp that represents Zach, are they banging the drum that they still want out? Because Zach sure is acting like he wants to be a good teammate, and he's not trying to disrupt the apple cart, if you will. Vooch is so hot and cold, and DeRozan, really like the guy, but just seems like a guy that, you know, he's got one good game every four games in him. And it seems like when he has that really good game, the rest of the team stands around and watches and they lose by five points. Yeah. I don't know that they're at a point now where they're just willing to give up on Zach Levine. Um, If they are, I guess the Lakers would take him, but you're not going to get anything for him. All you're going to get is rid of the contract. And are they at that point yet? Um, You know, the Bulls are interesting because I think that they've improved to a point where they're now considered a team that can vie for the play-in, right? So that's kind of – is that enough? You feel good about that? Um, Where are they at with – with the future, what are they looking for as you move forward? Their they're, max player doesn't want to be here. Their two top stars are aging quickly. Um, Lonzo Ball might come back next year. Is that what you're worried about? Yeah. Are you waiting on him again? 
I mean, look, the Bulls, it's a really, it's a very, um, I like the word mediocrity. I, I like the idea, but it's, there's hopes and dreams and there's not a lot of depth to it, right? I don't really believe. I like that they've gotten better this year and that they've turned things around from the beginning of the season. But I also know that they were awful to start the year and that's how they're in the hole they're in right now. I don't feel like they're going to get a hell of a lot better. I think the players they have on their on their uh, roster the teams would want include, like, Alex Caruso. Like, there are the guys you don't want to trade, are the guys that everybody wants. And the guys you might be done with and don't have a great future with you, nobody seems too interested. Why can't they beat the Cavs? You know, that's why, a great question. Why can't they beat Cleveland? They didn't just lose to Cleveland. They got, they got beaten horribly. They came and they back. They were terrible like, in that oh. game. I know. Then, then the Cavs you like, got to oh, be better okay. than bad teams, and you got to be able to beat them. And losing that game, that cost me a lot of momentum in my belief oh, I almost, in the Bears. I almost said that you, you – I thought you were going to say money. No, I didn't. I, didn't I thought you cost you a lot of money. No, I'm not spending a lot of money on bulls these days. How Are about, you? No. You backing them? That's a very difficult team to back. It's no. a very b- difficult team to believe in. And then they lose to the Cavs, and they have travel woes. Yeah, they got That's stuck. Not... They got stuck. They couldn't get out. And uh, and now they practiced and at home, and now they're heading to Toronto for, for the game there. I, 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 I don't know. I do David. wonder where this is headed, though, because you look around the league, and there's some teams making some – deals are trying to make some deals the pacers look like they want to be active there are other teams that are going to be taking some chances and and finagling the roster i thought the bulls would be in that position but i i just think they're finding it much harder to move that contract than they maybe ever envisioned the bulls had a little bit of momentum going and you thought oh this is going to be good let's see what happens then they did their ring of honor that was a disaster you know you couldn't get the stars of the team to turn up. The Bulls themselves were like the third story on that night, and the first two were awful, well, and the third one was pretty bad, Steph too. Curry was in town, and it was like, oh, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah Steph Curry was here. Yeah. He got booed, by the way. Oh, wow. He got booed. Why would he be different? <laughs> it was entertaining. I was sitting out there in the uh, at the game, and the guy, one of the fans sitting close to us was like, did they just boost Steph Curry? Yeah. This is before the Jerry Krause moment. Yeah, no one likes, uh, a, a, you know, a uh, like the greatest small man to play the game. He Ooh. started slow, too. He started slow that night, and Kobe White was on fire. But He's also our, you know, he's my height. He's as tall as we are, but he's the best little man in the league. Don't yeah, he's, he's not as little as you think, but I know what you mean. He's very relatable. That's why he, yeah. he's so popular. He looks like he's B.J. Armstrong, but he's six foot three. And he can hit anything he throws up. So. BJ could not shoot like that. No, no. And BJ was probably six one, maybe six foot yeah. tall. Just saying, he he was kind of cuddly, and kids love that idea. You know what I mean? I think people relate to um, Steph. If he walked in here, he's a lot taller than you think, because he's in the NBA, and the guys around him are all six seven plus. But he's. He's a normal-sized man who hits an abnormal amount of great shots. He's a great player. Don't boo Steph Curry.
Three one two. He's done nothing wrong. He's he's never really dissed Chicago. He's done nothing. Why wouldn't you like? He's Steph? one of the more watchable. He's changed the players game. in the NBA. No doubt one about of the it. biggest attractions. Worth your hard-earned money. Has he impacted the game as much as anyone in this era? Well, I think you could say that because of the way that he transformed Shooting. the game with the three-point shot yeah. and how that changed things. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair statement. 312-644-6767 is the number. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7. The score. Body full life. Yeah, bro. Cuz is up and left, bro. No, yeah, the locker room look crazy full. It, it's like 30 missing. Like, University of Washington nameplates full. Like, no, like, it's janky, bro. Like, it's when you come back, bro, and you... <laughs> Bro ain't put in two weeks. Bro didn't put in his twenty four hours. Man. Bro get. Bro didn't put it. Bro he, he just left full. Like it, it was. It was like. Yeah. And the, the craziest thing about it all is, bro never said he was going to come before even the team Molly <laughs> <laughs> and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. That is a couple of Washington players. Uh, including their uh, uh, their cornerback, um, uh, what's his name? Elijah who is Jackson. I'm sorry, Elijah Jackson. They're talking um, about Kalen DeBoer. Yep, who left for Alabama? Not He's happy. The new Alabama coach, Elijah Jackson. Not happy. They're not happy. But- now, what's extraordinary is with him going to Alabama, he brought. Four assistants from from Washington, including the uh, the offensive coordinator, of course, uh, who's been with him for a dozen years. That's a staff you have to keep intact. So he's got his staff coming with him to mm-hmm. Alabama. Uh, the the Buffalo coach yesterday was named the um, he has an unnamed position on the team. He he. Resigned from his job as a head coach in Buffalo. Three seasons as a head coach of the Buffalo Bulls in the MAC. He's a he's some kind of um, defensive assistant. Defensive assistant. Maurice they, Linguist. Maurice Linguist will become, they believe, like a secondary specialist. Right. I don't know if they'll give him a bigger title, and that's on top of the South Alabama coach leaving, retire. You know, Kane Womack. Kane stepping Womack. down from a head coaching yep. job. To become the defensive coordinator. He worked with him at Indiana. So the domino effect when Nick Saban decided to retire, somewhat unexpectedly, would you say? It caught a lot of people off guard. Yeah, I mean, suddenly. This you is know, it's like everything else. Very we slowly. Able, all yeah, them. life comes at you fast in, in coaching. And in the past week, there has been upheaval in college football. Nick Saban retiring set off a chain of events that resulted in Kalen DeBoer leaving abruptly from Washington. I think we talked last week. This is a great choice. This is the guy that you want to be able to run your program. But they went out and they hired the head coach of Buffalo, hired the head coach of South Alabama, mid-major programs now looking for their own head coaching uh, searches. Those are getting underway. They got three head coaches replacing Nick Saban. Three head coaches. It takes (laughs) a village to replace a legend. It's it's unbelievable that three jobs are open. He takes one. And creates two more openings. Don't stop there because you look at what Washington did to pivot. That's they right. hired Jed Fish, and he brings his offensive staff from Arizona right. to Washington, heads north to the Big Ten. Right. Now they're in the Big Ten with 
Jetfish and the Huskies. And so wow. when oh, you are crazy. a legend like Nick Saban is, it sets off a chain of events. And Alabama has the resources to try to maintain this stat. Their status is the best program in America. And they're willing to spend whatever it takes to do that. So you know that head coaches at South Alabama and Buffalo likely getting healthy raises to come be on the staff, not the head coach for Alabama. I mean, you know, so you hired two college coordinators, your own guy, and uh, and the defensive coordinator, and now you've hired a head coach to be working with the defense, working with the secondary, and they had, you know, a couple of guys leaving Alabama in the secondary, and I, I think a couple of them are entering the portal. So they need they need somebody that can coach defensive backs and recruit defensive. The portal's backs. crowded. The portal is crowded, and I don't know if recruiting is as big of a of a factor now in terms of recruiting high school talent. It's almost like recruiting the transfer portal, knowing how to, and it's all related. You have to be able to sell your program, yes. have some charisma, and connect with with young student athletes. Student athletes in quotations. It's also very interesting because of what it says about the coaching profession, how quickly things can change. And Molly, to link it to a more regional or local Big Ten type story, Michigan could be going through this shortly. Jim Harbaugh's out there interviewing everywhere. Well, he's interviewing with the Falcons, according to their well, social media. I mean, he's openly site. interviewing. He's flirting with the Chargers. Yes. He started he's, with the Chargers. Now he's gone to Atlanta. Yeah, he's basically out there on Match.com for coaches, and he's looking for, you know, a happy marriage somewhere and else. The, and the Bears aren't bringing him in for an interview. Yeah. They haven't talked to him. They're not. They're, yeah. I, I don't for, know if you heard. I did hear. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for rubbing uh, my nose in that. Because they have a head coach. Yeah, they do. I they're, like Dustin's idea that uh, they get somehow Jim to go to, uh, to um, Atlanta and they bring in Justin Fields. So we get to see what it would have looked like. Well, I don't know if that would be. It <laughs> wouldn't I, be good. Would I, it? I don't know if that would be good necessarily. If you if look if uh, that that is the Chicago uh, way of looking at it. Possibly if Jim Harbaugh is hired by the Falcons, and I think that's a long shot. I there's going to be a lot of chatter for them to take JJ McCarthy because they're going to be drafting eighth. That. And I referred to J.J. McCarthy on Twitter over the weekend as a likely first-round draft pick. A lot of people came at me, but oh, I do think he's a likely first-round draft he's pick. He's like a top-20 pick if you watch these mock drafts. I right? agree. Yeah. So you know that wherever Jim Harbaugh goes, well, I shouldn't say that because the Chargers aren't going to draft him. But if he goes to the Falcons, that will be the speculation in Atlanta, don't you think? I think he'd be great with the Chargers. Wouldn't that be awesome to get drafted and just play behind a guy that you can't possibly play like because you don't have his arm. I don't think but that J.J. There. McCarthy would want to be drafted by the Chargers. I think it'd be fun. I think he would definitely want to go somewhere where he could envision playing. And Justin Herbert is one of those guys that is not going to be, unless he gets injured, going to be moving anywhere and going anywhere except for the Pro Bowl for the next five to seven to ten years. What did you think of Staley as a head coach? Uh, I thought he started strong fizzled got a little bit in love with his own ideas and maybe fell in love with the the things people were saying about him I think it's easy to say from the outside yeah bright head coach a lot of good thoughts but I think that you can get carried away with he'd be being, a good guy to replace he'd be a good guy to replace because all you need to do is lean into some conventional things about being a football coach about having a tough football team and you're going to look good by comparison that's the 
I think Brandon Staley would be a good assistant coach. He might be a great defensive coordinator. But I just don't know as a head coach if you want him making these tough decisions on fourth and four at the 40-yard line. Does he fit as Flusie's non-play? No, I don't think so. I think you bring Brandon Staley into a nominal role as a defensive coordinator, and he's going to be wanting more power than that probably – you know, the the guy who is the Bears defensive coordinator, if they ever interview anybody for that job, is going to be somebody that understands how limited his reach is in terms of affecting the game plan. Snow who they should hire? Someone to help Lucy. Phil, Phil Snow? He, know. You know I that he's know. a figment of our imagination. He doesn't exist. It's AI. Okay. That's my thing. They should hire AI. I don't, I don't know if – have we ever seen Phil Snow at Hallis Hall? Has anybody ever seen him – do anything the, for the Bears. The defense got better when they hired him. Allegedly hired him. Okay. Phil Snow. Do we know who he is and where he's where he works? Snow way. Snow way. Yeah. We'll uh Snow Job. We'll, <laughs> we gotta talk uh we gotta talk about it, some of the stuff that happened over the weekend at the Cubs convention. There is a lot of information floating around, a lot of ideas. And we'll find out uh, if any of them have any legs. There's a certain player, I don't know if you're familiar with his name, who was very popular, maybe the most popular guy at the convention, and he is technically an unrestricted free agent. But we know he's coming back here. Everyone wants him. And uh, I think maybe the Cubs don't realize how much. But we'll discuss next. Mully and Hong score. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.